Okay. Um, I think I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna freestyle this. <laughs> it's gone so well for me. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the She Said Show, brought to you by She Said So London. She Said So is a global independent network of women and gender minorities in the music industry, started by Andrea Magdalena in 2014 and has since become one of the largest independent communities in the music business. Our mission is to connect and empower underrepresented communities towards a more equitable music industry for all. I'm Emily Richardson and I'm the director of She Said So London. I'm also a music supervisor and composer agent. In this series, I'm going to be chatting to some amazing women to find out their insights and experiences of working in a male-dominated industry. Let's get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm running out of time. Just let's just just get on with it. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to episode two of the She Said Show with me, Emily Richardson, and She Said So London. This week, I'm chatting to Rachel Menzies, who's the Senior Director of Original Repertoire Services at BMG Music here in the UK. Previous to this, Rachel worked in production music, which she's going to be telling us more about in the chat. And she also worked as a music supervisor while also having two successful side hustles. Some would say she's the queen of the side hustle. And she's going to be giving us some great tips about how to start up a side business alongside a full time career. As before, we were at home recording over Zoom. So apologies in advance for any issues with the audio. Thank you so much to Rachel for giving us her time and to everyone at home. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Hi, Rach. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us um, a bit of your time. Um, I'm just going to preface this by saying that Rach and I are friends <laughs> um and I do I know I mean I've I've I've, I've been a uh, an observer of your career in a non-creepy way <laughs> for uh for a good few years now um but why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of journey oh god I hate that word your career journey to date and how you got to where you are right now um, sure. Thanks, Emily. Um, yeah, I suppose I, I started, um, I, I moved over from Australia when I was quite young, just, I mean, I turned 18, did a couple of odd jobs, like working in a shoe shop um, <laughs> and waitressing, uh, and then kind of found my way in um, bit by chance, bit by a connection, um, and um, met the owner of a company who is a film composer called Richard Harvey, and um, yeah, managed to get myself a job working for a music library or a production music company. Um, really just like making teas, um, supporting people, sending emails, helping with office administration, doing all of the stuff. It was like four people in a business. So I kind of, I felt like it was a really good um, like intro into the world of music for sync. Um, I got my job or my job title and my role developed quite a lot over um, about 10 years I was working for that company so um, 
you know, really, really enjoyed that role, um, got a really good insight into like what that company did and the importance of it um, and the whole landscape. And then um, after 10 years, kind of felt like it was time to move on and try new things. So I, um, I left to work for a, a company called Music Metric, who offer kind of data and analytics to the music industry, really. Um, and then also did loads of consultancy. So I worked for music publishers, sales people. And, and part of that was also where I set up um, with my best mate, Amy, and um, and also was um, brought on to help set up dynamic production music. So that's when I kind of learned a lot about setting up businesses um, and it was a really, really exciting time. I was doing lots and lots of different piece, um, things, lots of side hustles, lots of like wearing various hats at various times. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I was offered the job as a music supervisor, working in advertising, um, and for the past five years, I've been doing that, which I've really, really enjoyed as well. You're, I think, um, I have always seen you as sort of queen of the side hustle. I think um, I, I was just really impressed with you that you came out of your role um, at. Uh, are we allowed? Can I say the company, the first yeah. company that you worked at, it's West One Music Group, which is now like a huge 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 music global global music company um you came out of your role there and um and uh, and then worked at music metrics but also had these two kind of side hustles that I was just uh, at the time I was in so much awe of you because I just thought my god like she's just thrown herself into starting a business and like oh what a scary thing to do and can you tell us a little bit more about that it was dynamic music and, and hookline was also your own sort of publishing company as well yeah um yeah it was really exciting time I think I was I'd, I'd had this kind of long long stint of working within West One Music and had left and was really excited about like you know I felt like I'd learned a lot I was I, I was you know I knew a lot about the industry I left West One um really wanting to work more with artists. I was an artist myself Amy and I were in a band together we were touring and um and you know mostly for fun we didn't make any money out of it but um but what and then I'd go to my day job and I'd be like wow these people have money to give to artists and writers and stuff and I'm like why is there such a big disconnect between people with budgets and artists and songwriters so hook the the goal with hook line was really just to help kind of bridge that gap and like introduce those you know agencies with really exciting new emerging artists so that's how that kind of came about and I just we both had such a passion for it that it kind of made it easy because we believed in what we were trying to do so much. Um, and then Dynamic was one that came kind of by chance. I was approached by some composers who wanted me to help them set up the business. So I did that. And in return, I became a shareholder of the business. So, yeah, I learned so much in that. Maybe I think it was six or seven years of kind of consulting um, and setting up those businesses. Um, it was a real learning curve for me. And yes, it was it was brave maybe a bit of stupidity maybe a bit of um feeling like I was supported by the people around me and friends and and, and the network that I built up over the years one of many things that I've always been very impressed by you with um terrible English there terrible grammar um was that you have that you're not afraid to take risks but you do them um as responsibly and sensibly as you possibly can and I think you're um, the proof and the pudding that you know taking risks does pay off it, it does it does sort of 
catapult your career um you know and I, I, you've always been an inspiration to me definitely um when I'm faced with uh you know with opportunities and I think oh god this sounds a bit scary like am I am I qualified am I you know am I de- is this you know it's not it, it doesn't feel like it feels like a big step for me but I've always kind of looked to you and and seen your career trajectory and thought well you know Rach is doing it what would Rach do <laughs> oh, that's so, so like, yeah and you've really kind of spurred me on to take to step outside my comfort zone and take you know take on roles that I maybe not necessarily were completely qualified for <laughs> at the time but I think there's no better way than to catapult your career than stepping outside your comfort zone and not being scared and learning on the job because yeah. you know god knows men do it you know men put themselves forward for jobs they're not qualified for all the time so why shouldn't we you know and actually you learn so fast and so much when you're in it when it's a baptism of fire and you're like oh you know crap I'm gonna have to like I don't even I don't know what I'm doing I'm gonna have to learn this really quickly so yeah it's always I you know I've always looked to you as an inspiration for that because you've kind of you just you've just gone you know full steam ahead and it, it has paid off Thank you. I, I mean, firstly, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Um, I mean, it's 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 a weird one. I think I've probably told you this in the past before, but like I remember when I started off, I I, I started off relatively young, and my job was to take uh, bring in business. So that was often selling and pitching to often senior level older white men, and that was generally, you know, majority of the time. That's the dynamics was me pitching this music so I always found um and I suppose I've learned a lot and I still probably do it a lot that I have to kind of over compensate or like set the set the bar before even starting to talk business so I would always kind of start by going hi I'm Rachel I've worked you know in this industry for eight years like (laughs) kind of trying to give myself some sort of gravitas before and I always because I I don't know I was very aware that I looked very young and um and I just wanted to be like get it out in the open nice and early before we can start talking business so really kind of um that was always very something I was very very conscious of as I've got older and just echoing what you were saying earlier I think the thing I've learned is like it's okay to not be a world expert and um no one expects you to be and it's actually far better for everyone if you're just like honest about the fact that you know what no one's good the music industry changes so so much especially sync right like the way that music is licensed what needs to be considered and all of that stuff that actually no one expects you to know everything or be like this kind of bloody you know world expert in everything so that kind of leaning on um leaning on friends and people that do are doing similar things like you and I met because we were on a very very similar path um and we just got on straight away and then you know we connect with other people and then that that network becomes wider so yeah I think I think leaning on people was really really something I've learned well as I've gotten older is is a really it's good for not only your mental health because you've got a support network around you, but it's also just good for your kind of career trajectory because you're everyone knows a little bit of information that we can all share. And if we're all sharing, then we'll all do better. I I 100% agree. And I think one of the problems that we maybe face as women is that we feel like we need to present ourselves as knowing everything to be taken seriously. But actually, that can that can get you in hot water sometimes, because if you pretend that you know something when you don't, 
that's when mistakes are made. And actually, I, I read somewhere, um, I read in an article not that long ago, um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was a super, super senior woman in, in, in music saying that when she, the things that she looks for when she's employing people are, you know, ambition and confidence, but also curiosity and the ability to ask questions and not be afraid to say, I actually don't know this. Like, can you, you know, can you help me? I'm currently doing a management training and one of the values that I think is most important is curiosity <laughs> there you go and Rachel's just h- held up a post-it note she's just peeled off her computer that says curiosity on it so there we go <laughs> we've hit a point hit hit the nail on the head there <laughs> yeah definitely I think and and you know I, I in my career I've I've seen big mistakes being made by um senior people um men in particular um that are very very difficult to come back from and it's normally born well the mistake is is an honest mistake and we're all human I think that's something that I mean I'm definitely interested in exploring you know why aren't we more open and honest about our our mistakes at Mm. work because we all make them it's but it's the it's the arrogance of trying to cover up that that mistake that actually gets you in real trouble I think and um and that's something that we all have to remember and and as women we have to remember that we're not going to be thought less of if we just say I've made a mistake or I'm not quite sure about that. Can you help me? Um, and knowledge sharing and experience sharing is so, so important um, in, in what we do in all, in all business as well, not just music. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever, um, I mean, you, she said so is a, is a network for women, um, obviously supporting in the workplace, supporting women and gender minorities. Have you ever experienced any, any other sort of discrimination? I know you said that you used to get a bit intimidated by taking older men out when you felt that you looked so young and and female you look female you are female. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um yeah have you have you experienced any other sort of obstacles or discrimination in your in your career I mean I think um I think with my, with lots of friends network I've definitely experienced and and helped support friends who are going through um certain setbacks or kind of perceptions or things that have kind of put a huge kind of hurdle in the way of them progressing with their career I think uh, um, especially at the moment and I suppose it's one of those things that's like our age um uh and and that's like a lot of my friends are having kids or thinking about kids or um or people in my network and and I've experienced you know hearing their concerns about um you know either maternity packages that are they're offered or the kind of attitudes or what's expected of them in the workplace I suppose um, and how the dynamics work at home I suppose as well so yes I think um for me personally I think I've always been in positions where I've had really supportive um you know bosses or colleagues um have you always had male bosses I've I had female boss in my first role um, you know for a certain period of time but yes mostly male bosses and my current bosses are male as well I think you know I would um I've pretty much always had male bosses as well um and yeah I've I've had good and bad but I would you know and and I think it's very easy to say, oh, I've been really lucky that I uh, that I've not faced any discrimination or I've had supportive male bosses in my career. I mean, that sh- it shouldn't be down to luck. It should just be standard procedure that your boss is supportive. But I, I don't always think that comes down to, to 
gender I think sometimes you can just have a bad boss it doesn't matter what gender you are um but I would also say I think it's really important that you know I have had some really amazing bosses as well that that were men and have been really you know instrumental in my career and um so I I I think I've seen good yeah Um, and I think there's you know I think we're all experiencing different things and as our networks get larger and larger we hear about how things are you know but I think with Groups like She Said So and other kind of networks, I think a lot of that is just, you know, it's really being talked about more than ever. And it's just really, I think for me personally, it's just become a real um, uh, support network, I suppose, or, yeah. And I think also opening up that conversation and making people and creating these safe spaces where women and gender minorities feel safe to be able to talk about these things, um, it's, it's you know there's this there's this buzzword at the moment microaggressions and it's used I, I mean I've seen it used a lot in, in in terms of racial microaggressions but I think it's also applicable in terms of gender microaggressions and the more you speak to women in the workplace who have had experiences or you you do start to look further into certain things that have happened in your career yeah. that you feel like kind of icky about like there have been a few things that I feel just I think back on them and I feel just icky and they just didn't feel nothing nothing terrible thank god um but they just felt icky and I look back and 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 after sharing experiences with other women I'm like oh yeah that yeah that wasn't completely right I'm not sure like and looking back on it and I think the more we are open about these things I think the more we will be able to at the time be like "Mm, this isn't right like I'm not Yeah, yeah, and I, like you said, as the more we open up conversation, and like you said, the, I think safe space is a great way of putting it because it's like more, the more safe spaces we have to have these open, authentic, honest conversations about our experiences, the more it's just going to shine a light on you know what what we definitely won't put up for you know put up with. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Are there any um, initiatives that you're that you're hoping to put in place or or or, or thinking of doing at BMG now that you're in a position of power <laughs> as such? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think from a yes. I mean, this is the first time in my career that I've felt um, a certain amount of kind of influence for sure over kind of a lot of different, um, you know, like on a on a wide scale, like. The, the first time I'm really like bringing new composers and songwriters and artists on board in a really big way. Um, I think in previous roles I've done it, but it's been less capacity. So I think maybe less opportunity to encourage growth and kind of diversity. Whereas in this new role, I'm super excited about on a personal level, you know, how I'm going to um, diversify my roster. You know, I think hands up in the past, I've worked with you know, far more males than females when it comes to composers um, and people that I'm getting to work on jobs. And I think um, there are a variety of reasons why, but, you know, something I'm definitely conscious of doing now is um, really just opening up that, and you know, looking at different places where I can source and, and, you know, A&R new talent. Um, uh, And I'm so excited, you know, even the last couple of months have just been proof that there's just so much amazing talent out there, um, you know, female talent. And, and I, you know, another really exciting thing is I'm really excited to see clients asking for more diverse talent to be put forward. So like that whole chain is really rethinking the way that they're, you know, A&Ring 
people for what you know new new projects so i'm really excited about that from a personal level i'm looking to diversify in all in all its forms um in a big way across who i'm working with this year yeah that's amazing i think you've 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 hit on something there where you know it's we, there are all these statistics coming out about um you know male versus female artists and who's being represented on the radio and who's being represented at award shows and the the, the um the, the balance is is ridiculous it's something like five percent are women um and you know people are sort of saying how can we change this how can we fix this and really it comes from like you said like the demand you know we the demand needs to be there the clients need to be saying we want specifically a female artist in like for this project um but also we need to be putting people like you and other women in senior positions that have the authority and have the power to to source this new female talent and to you know and to go out and find it and to sign it and to use it and etc because you know up until this point we've had you know a 70 30 split and and now as well um when music companies are made up of you know 70 percent males they that it's it's in our nature to just to employ people and sign talent that that looks exactly like us and when a company is 70 percent male that talent and that and those and those employees are also going to be white male so it's so so important to be promoting women into senior positions into decision making positions so that we can from the ground up um change the way that the music industry looks yeah. um from the inside out i think it's really important so yeah we're all about that that she said so for sure um okay what is the what's the best advice you've ever received in your career um the best advice I've ever received um pro- do you know what the the advice that I was just giving probably that I'm just like regurgitating which is like don't you don't need to know everything you don't need to be a world expert um and someone's probably and I don't know who and that's sad that I don't remember who it was that gave me that amazing advice but um yeah you don't need to know everything just um be really honest and authentic with like what you know and where you want to get to as well um, and mm-hmm. um and i think things will work out because i think there's so many people out there like you said that that are doing the same thing as us that you know that's on the same path that actually there's enough business out there for all of us definitely and that's such a massive thing that i think um i think that plays into um another kind of aspect of that as well and it's that kind of um there's not enough room there's not enough seats at the table for everybody and there there totally totally is and that's something that we always need to remember um in you know go in in terms of business and in terms of women in business is that we you know there's enough room and we need to encourage more and more women to kind of go up the echelons of the of the industry and and get into those senior positions like we were just saying What's the worst advice you've ever been given? <laughs> um, oh, probably something really stupid, like business is just business. You know what I mean? Like something really like throwaway. But also, I don't know. I think people, I think we work in an industry, we're very lucky to work in the industry, uh, you know, in a roles that we often love, um, in an industry that we love. We love music. That's why we're here um so actually no business isn't just business because it's there's so much more to it and I feel like a real responsibility to to um do things the right way 
and you know I've got responsibility towards my composers and write songwriters and artists to get things done properly and yes bring them opportunities and yes make the deal attractive enough that the client wants to bring that op- opportunity to you but also you know there's it's 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 there's so so much at stake I think when it comes to something you're so passionate about Definitely. And I think, you know, it's always really important to remember in the business that we're in is that we're not just working with a product, we're working with people's lives and people's jobs. You know, artists, we're not just working with the music, we're working with the person that makes that music. And um, there definitely is a a responsibility that lands with us to look after those people, look after their, you know, intellectual property, make sure it's being used correctly and don't take... um, don't take advantage of it you know it's not all just about profits it's about people um so to round up our questions what what do you have an an alternative universe an alternate universe fantasy career what would you be doing if you weren't (laughs) doing this um i think do you know it's really random i always had this like dream that i was like a professional dancer So random, but if any of you, well, you have, Emily, but anyone listening to this has ever been on a night out with me, <laughs> they would know <laughs> that I just, like, and this is one of one of the thing, big things that I've been missing during lockdown is just going out and having a good dance. So, um, I don't know, I think sometimes I think, oh, if I, my parents had to put me through training when I was younger, I could have been good. Yeah, backup, backup dancer. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I love dancing. I think there's something and it's crazy that you don't really know what you've got until it's gone. Like we haven't been able to dance, go out and like just let your hair down. Do you know what? Having a having a almost three year old is a really good excuse to put music on and dance around the living room. So we're just going to round up with a bit of a quick fire, quick fire round. OK, OK. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) OK, so this is obviously this is a music podcast. So we're going to talk a little bit about music. What's the last album or piece of music that you listen to? Um, uh, I, Arlo Parks. I really like her new album, which is called Collapsed in Sunbeams. I love it. So I've had that on repeat over the weekend. Yeah, I had a listen to that the other day and I've seen so many amazing reviews. Like everybody's listening to it. It's, yeah, super, super popular. I think she's onto great yeah. things, I think, Arlo. Um, what is a song or artist you have on repeat? Um I love, like, I love Taylor Swift's new album. Brilliant. Yeah, Taylor Swift is doing some really, really cool stuff at the moment. I Have you seen her documentary? Yes. It was so good. I I always, she was always sort of, like, in my periphery. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just one of those really annoying people that if someone's got too much hype around them, I, I just completely, just completely goes over my head and I, like, nah, it kind of, I lose interest. But I watched that documentary and since watching it, I'm, like, massive what do they call themselves swift swifties or whatever <laughs> swifties that what i am now um what song do you listen to to make yourself feel inspired or empowered i really love like tash sultana and i just love some of her stuff i don't think it's a particular song i'm just um i love her stuff and that makes me feel inspired for sure maybe not yeah empowered yes inspired um I've really, like, I think in previous, I suppose maybe working from home's helped with this, but, like, turning on some music really um, just helped me with my productivity. And um, So, yeah, I've been listening to those new stuff. And actually, Biceps, new album, like, 
but I'm really loving bicep at the moment as well. Isn't it funny that we work in the music industry, but we probably spend so much time like on Zoom calls and meetings and stuff like that. I do the same. I turn on some music and I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I do my job. I've completely, I completely forgot. Music's great, isn't it? Honestly, I feel like I'm listening to more music. I feel like this new role is just, I'm more creative. It's it's so funny because I think when you, as a music supervisor, you obviously listen to music all day long and it's great but it, generally a lot of it is just kind of like searching like robotically <laughs> whereas yes. like in this in my new role it was one one of my main concerns working for a bigger company was that maybe you know I'd lose a lot of that creativity but it's the complete opposite I'm listening to so much new music now but really digesting it really like mm, that's great yeah I know exactly what you mean when you're doing when you're People ask me, oh, you, because you work in music, does it mean that you've lost the enjoyment of listening to music? And I think, well, actually, people who, who work in music have two separate yes. brains, two or two separate sections of your brain. Like, I, I listen to music, if I'm looking for music for a brief, I do it robotically and I'm listening to genre or beat or BPM or, you know, or, or, all that kind of stuff. And I'm literally listening out for it. Whereas if I listen to music just to absorb it and enjoy it, I think I just must use like a different section of my brain or something, yeah. which is fortunate. Yeah, I'm doing exactly <laughs> the same, like you said, like I think because, you know, we've worked in sync for so long. It's like the way that we think about music is in like keywords. More recently, I've really started, like you said, using that other part of my brain, which is there for pure <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> good Thank i'm you. glad um okay so for your last question in the spirit of celebrating women and gender minorities we're giving you a pass the mic moment so do you have any uh anything that you want to recommend to our listeners um like an author or a book or a, another podcast or a small business or an instagram account or something that you love that you want to shout about um yes uh sure so i'm reading a book at the moment called girl woman other by bernardine uh, evaristo or evaristo which i highly recommend really really enjoying it um good like humor but in, you know really important subjects and makes you think and all the stuff that i think i'm um me personally i i'm really enjoying at the moment um and um yeah so and then just for a laugh there's this comedian called majimbo or elsa majimbo and she's um and i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing her surname wrong but she's absolutely brilliant and she's just like really real and like eats crisps really like messily and has like these wonky glasses and she just like does one-liners but they're so true <laughs> so like everyone relates <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of her before so I'm definitely going to check her out because I love stuff like that goofy humor and one-liners love it yeah. Yeah, she's Kenya and she's got this great kind of, like she laughs at herself while she's telling these one-liners it's brilliant um so I highly recommend her if you just want a bit of lol get you through cool well, thank you so much for giving us your time today, Rach. It's been really interesting talking to you. Um, have you got any links? Like, where can we find you? Like, what are the best sort of like places to discover you and your work and what you're doing? I would say just get Google me and I'm sure you'll find a, a way to get in touch. But yes, please do. I'm, I welcome anyone getting in touch. Or maybe LinkedIn is a good start. Find me on LinkedIn. Drop me an email on there and then, yeah, we'll go from there. LinkedIn is the way to go, I swear. Like, I did a post the other day about a film that I'd worked on. And I think I've got, like, 400 likes on it. And, like... I know. It's crazy. The, the reach that you get on LinkedIn at the moment, I'm seeing it everywhere. Everyone's like, you know, you've got to get, you've got to get using LinkedIn because it's the, it's the new old, the new old, the, the, new, the old, old new thing. 
I remember, you know, in my music supervision role, that was where we got the majority of our leads through LinkedIn. So, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Another tip. Good tip. There's a little, an extra bonus extra, tip yeah. right at the end there. Just snuck <laughs> that one in. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Rach. It's been really great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Rachel for joining us this week. Thank you also to Soho Radio for hosting the show. You can catch us here every other Monday at 9am. You can follow She Said So London on Instagram at at she said so dot London. And you can find out more information about joining our network at www.shesaid.so forward slash membership. Thanks for listening and see you next time.